Well, good morning. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here, and I want to start off with a question. If common ground as a church ceased to exist, would our community care? If we just disappeared overnight, all is gone, whatever, would the community notice? Would there be a gap, something missing? How about this? If you moved out of town for whatever reason, God led you away and we move all the time, people move, you know, if you were led out of town, would there be a hole here because you left? Because you are being used by God to make a difference in your community? I mean, that's kind of one of those honest questions that maybe we don't want to answer. But here's the truth. We, as Jesus followers, and I'm speaking to those who have believed that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and said, you are Lord of my life. We are here to make a difference in the world around us. That is why, one of the big reasons why we're not, you know, when we're saved, we're not just raptured, taken to heaven. God left us here in order to do something in and through us for his glory. For eternity, we're going to be worshiping God. It's going to be awesome. In new bodies, on a new heaven and a new earth, and, and next month we're going to talk about heaven, so come to hear all about that then um, and invite a friend. And that's going to be great. Until then, we're going to wrestle in this life and hopefully make a big difference for him. Uh, I did uh, some studying over the past couple of months preparing for this month and today um, and studied, you know, how did Christianity make a difference in the world? And I was pretty blown away as I studied how have Christians and Christianity made a difference? Braille? Braille was because of believers. Sign language? Believers. Hospitals? Christians. Right? Uh, go way back in time and look at the first hospitals. Before Christians, there weren't really hospitals. Back in Roman times, they had places where they could heal their soldiers and work. But for the normal person, there was no hospitals. Christians started hospitals, universities, education. That was Christians. You know, Harvard University, you know why it was started? Harvard was started because Christians wanted to make sure that, that they could uh, educate good Christian leaders to keep going in churches. Well, they've veered away from that a little bit. And they did a long time ago. And so Princeton was started because Harvard had gone off the deep end. Princeton started saying, they, they're not doing it anymore, so now we're going to do it. Now look where that has gone. But, but look at most major universities were began by Christians. And I could just go down the list, right? Uh, the first orphanages, Christians. You know, our, our whole right now with uh, abortion just through the roof and, and, and all this killing of babies, we think that's new. It's not. You know, during Roman times, uh, there was abortion then. And more than that, even if they had a baby and they didn't want it, it was just accepted in society. You could just go leave it somewhere. And so they would just go leave it so it would die of exposure. That was part of culture until Christians came along and went, that's bad. And they started adopting all those kids. Christians have made a huge difference. And let me rephrase it this way. God has made a huge difference through his people in this world. And that's his plan today. Turn please, to the book of Jeremiah. This is page 732 in the Bible in your seat. Um, if you brought one, if not, look it up, Jeremiah 29. Now, I'm going to read a, a little passage here, and this is the prophet Jeremiah. He is writing to the Israelites in exile. So there was a period in history. This is before Jesus came, quite a long time before Jesus came. God's people were the Israelites, the Jews, and God had made some promises to them and said, you know, if you obey me, you'll be blessed in your land. If you don't, you're going to be exiled. Well, they disobeyed. They went into idolatry and other things. 
and they were exiled. And so Jeremiah, inspired by God, writes this to them. Now, I want you to pay attention as I read these verses, because we talk about this, that we need to understand scripture in context. We're going to read a verse or two in here that you're like, oh, I've heard that. And it's used out of context quite a bit. This, I'll be honest, is not written to us. This is written to the Israelites in the exile then. But we get to know God's heart in this. And some of this is repeated in the New Testament. And so it's very applicable to us. So Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For that, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You've probably heard that verse before. Then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So I read all of that so we could get the context, right? These are Israelites exiled into Babylon, taken by their enemy, right? I mean, Jerusalem was captured by the Babylonians, and it was a brutal battle, captured taken there, and God speaks to them and says, while you're there, seek the welfare of the city that you're in. While you're there, build houses, have gardens, do your life, do life well there, and in the future, I'm going to bring you back. So that verse that you've heard before, verse uh, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. You've probably seen this on t-shirts and stuff, right? Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That was written to these Israelites in exile. And their future and their hope was, after 70 years, you're coming back to Jerusalem and I'm going to restore you here. Now, can that apply to us? Yes, absolutely. But that verse specifically is to them there. Now, we also do have a future and a hope. Our future is eternal. Our future, we're looking for Jesus is going to come back. And when he does, all the believers that have died are going to be resurrected. That's true, not zombies resurrected to new bodies like Jesus, live with him for eternity the way we were originally designed to live. It's going to be awesome. Again, heaven series next month. Don't want to give it away. Um, that's what we're looking forward to. And until then, we are exiles. So the Jews there were looking forward to that time they would come back. We are looking forward to Jesus coming back and looking forward to what God would do. So now turn to 1 Peter, if you would. And this is where we're going to stay mainly is in 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is page 1117 in the Bible in front of you. Not just, if you brought your own Bible, it's probably a different page number. 1117. And here we see Peter 
say pretty much the same thing as Jeremiah said to the Israelites in exile. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. What does he say here? I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Do you realize this is not your home? Earth is not your home. Carson City is not your home. But it is for a little while. We're exiles here, and we should live for Christ here, looking forward to our future country, our future land. It's going to be awesome. But right now, we're here and our mission as the church, you can see it on the wall here, our mission is to connect people to the abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. That's why we're still here. And, and different churches say it the, different ways, but we're all saying the same thing. We're still here to help people connect to Jesus because that's the only way to eternal life. And it's the only way to the, the fullest life here. And by that, I don't mean health and wealth and prosperity. I mean love, joy, peace, despite horrible circumstances. That's the abundant life God has given to us. So here's our question today. How can we connect people to Jesus by loving our city? So, you know, you see our shirts. We love our city. How can we practically obey and live this out? We're going to look at these two passages, and I'm going to draw out four ways that we can very practically make a difference in the city that we're in. So back to the Jeremiah 29.7. And in Jeremiah 29.7, it says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. So what's the first one? Desire the welfare of the people in your community. That's weird, right? I, I mean, that sounds so simple. But honestly, desire. Do you care about the people around you? You know, we are, we are very... Uh, we're a very self-centered society. Uh, we're very self-focused. Do we care about those around us that are hurting? Do we see the loss, the pain, and, and, and feel something for them? Do we care? Desire. Uh, in there it says, seek the welfare. It's not just one of those like, I hope things go good for you, right? It's seek the welfare. Look at how you can make a difference in the people's lives around you. What is unique about you? Some of you are more unique than others, but we're all unique. I mean, really, we have gifting. We have passions. Are you using those for the benefit of other people? Do we really care? You know, this is, uh, traditionally, the church has done well with this. But also, at times, the church does very poorly at this. I remember one, one day I was in a church and a guy who was a regular person at that church all the time. He went every Sunday. This one day, he dressed up in a certain way. He dressed up like a biker. He had a, a bandana on and a leather jacket. And he just, he hadn't shaved. For, he just looked rough. And when he went in, nobody talked to him. All these people that knew him had a glance. And they wouldn't even look at him because he was so off. And they were just so uncomfortable. That speaks a little bit to the, the heart of people. Another time, there was somebody in the parking lot cussing up a storm at somebody else. And I overhear all these people over here going, oh man, people like that shouldn't be here. I'm like, no, 
People like that should be here. Our hearts should break for those people to find Christ, for, for God to give them life. Do we as a church want to stay away from those filthy people? Or do we want to be like Jesus, right? Jesus went and was with those people. And by the way, aren't we those people? Don't we have the past? Don't we have those temptations and those sins in our own life that we want God to help us get rid of? Rather, we are to be there for people. So what's number two? One, desire. Number two, pray for the people in our community. What did Jeremiah said? He said, seek the welfare and pray and pray. We begin with prayer. So you look around and you see the pain and hopefully there's some of like, what can we do about this? But it starts with prayer. We pray for those in our community. Here's a secret about prayer. Well, a couple secrets. One, God actually moves in response to our prayers. Um, and I said it before, I don't understand why exactly because he's all sovereign and we're us. But he listens to our prayers and he acts. I mean, th there are those who prayed. We see this in James referring to Old, Old Testament stories. Prayed for years and it didn't rain. And then prayed that it would rain and it did. God listens to the prayers of his people and he responds. But here's the other thing. Prayer often changes us, not just God. In fact, more often, prayer changes us. We did a prayer walk this past Tuesday. The prayer team and a couple others, uh, we met here and we walked around and we prayed. And let me tell you, I, I got to walk with, with uh, Susie and Jenny and we went across the street to an apartment complex. I didn't even know it was there. And as we were walking around and looking at, you know, signs up and just the stuff, we were just walking and praying and things in me were stirred for the people I didn't even know lived there. You know, as we would go along and then one of them would pray something and that would stir something in me. And God really was just active with us as we were walking and praying. And it was really cool that we would have these things and somebody would pray something like, oh yeah, I want that too. And we prayed for the kids in our church and the kids in our community and the girls and just all that we prayed. Praying does something. And so if you lack the desire, if that first one I said desire the welfare, if you're like, well, I don't, start with prayer. And, and it might be one of those, God, give me a desire <laughs> to love the way you love. Give me a desire that I don't have right now. And guess what? The Holy Spirit in you will give you that desire. It's who we are as Jesus followers. Number three, live distinct from others in your community. Look at the first Peter passage. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Now, Gentiles here is just non-believers. Uh, this isn't Gentiles and Jews. This is non-believers. He says, live among them and keep your conduct honorable. Live differently. Listen, if we are just the same as everybody else, we have nothing to offer. If we have the same addictions as everybody else, we have nothing to offer. If we have a lack of love like everybody else, we have nothing to offer. We are to live differently in a way where people look and go, you're weird, right? Last week we talked about it. Be a Jesus freak. You know, I'm not saying wear a sign, you know, the end is coming up and down the street. I'm talking live holy lives. Abstain from the things of the flesh that want to draw us away from God. Live differently. Live distinct. And this isn't a proud distinction. You know, sometimes there is that kind of holier than thou, or we're so clean, keep the dirty ones. That's not that at all. We live distinct, but among those in our community. And by the way, this is why the church exploded 
uh, in the first 300 years. Do you realize in the first 300 years after Jesus died, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven, in those 300 years, they guessed there was roughly 6 million believers 300 years in. That is a lot. That is an explosion. Why did that happen? You read through the history, a lot of it is, for one, when the persecutions happened and the Christians died without abandoning their faith, many watched that. Many of those conducting the, the, the execution saw that and were converted by it. But here's the other thing. Christians were doing what others weren't doing, and they were entering into the pain, the hurt, and making a difference. The way that things would happen in the Roman world when a plague would come through is the people with the plague, you go away and you go die over there. Even those in their own family, elderly, oh, we're not going to take care of you anymore. We're, we're done with you. It was Christians in the name of Jesus who stayed in there at their own peril when a plague would sweep through. Read throughout history, all over the world, the Christians would stay in. Vaccines, you know, and we're not going to get political with vaccine, but do you know who the first ones that did vaccines were? Christians. And they tested them on themselves. And some of them died. But vaccines have really changed the world. Because Christians entered into the pain and did something about it. Again, uh, abortions, infanticide was a big deal. When the Christians started taking these kids that were left, it caused a stir. The rest of them didn't like it. Like, what are you doing? That was my kid. I, I wanted it to die. And now you're taking it and trying to raise it as your own. It caused problems. Well, Christians are supposed to live distinct from their community. Part of that how we live distinct. In, in Luke 9.2, Luke 9.2, Jesus sends out his 12 apostles ahead of him. This is kind of a, a test. He would do this. He sent 12 ahead to different towns where he was going to go. Uh, a couple chapters later, we see him do this with 72 of his disciples. Go ahead. And they were told that as you go into a community, pray for him, for one, but heal, go in there and heal and tell them the kingdom is at hand. Luke 9.2, this is what Jesus tells them. It says, Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. This is how God has always done it. Even in the Old Testament, this is what Jesus came doing. He went in to heal. He healed. He did something for people and shared with them the truth of himself, the truth of the kingdom. So as we live distinct, we are also seeking to heal. Where is the pain around you? Uh, we're coming out of COVID or maybe we're going back into COVID. I don't know. Where is the pain around you that you can do something about? How about those kids that have fallen behind in school because of all this junk going on, right? Those that couldn't go or what, kids are falling behind. How about those who have been cooped up? One of the things we have learned significantly over this last year is that isolation is not good for people, right? Uh, suicide has gone way up. Are there people around you, you know of that are isolated that maybe you can just go knock on the door and say Hello? Bring them a meal, whatever it is. Where is the pain that you can bring some healing? Because God wants to bring healing in and through us. And we might you know, try and think, oh, it's this big, massive thing. No, one person, one thing. What can you do to make a difference? But then as we live distinct, as we do this, we need to be ready to point people to Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So this is number four. Be ready to share the hope of Jesus with gentleness and love. Are you ready to share? Now, when we serve, 
we don't serve as an ulterior motive to grow our church, right? We don't serve as an ulterior motive just to convert people so we can put a notch on our belt. That's happened a lot throughout history with, with, with Christians. We serve because God loves the people in our community. We serve because Jesus died for their sins. We serve because if they find life, it's only in Jesus. And we talk about the abundant life here often. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that verse. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know that word life? In Greek, it's not bios. There's a couple words for life. Bios, biological life. Zoe is the word used there. I came that they may have life. Zoe, that word very specifically means the good life. And I'm not talking prosperity, right? Following Jesus does not mean you're going to be healthy, wealthy, no. But it's the life of love, joy, peace. Go back to last week. If you missed it, watch that podcast or listen to the podcast. God gives these things despite circumstances. That's the life he wants to give. And our heart for others is that they experience this life as well. And if you're here and you're not normal going to church, no big deal. Guess what? Church can be weird. I get it. But the truth is the only way to life is Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't one way among many. Jesus is the only way. Scripture makes that very, very clear. It's not the Eastern thought all roads lead to heaven. No, Jesus is the only way. Belief in Jesus' death and resurrection, confessing him as Lord and following him, that is the only way to salvation. And so others need to hear that. Maybe you've heard this, oh, I witness always. And, and when I have to, I use words. No, we're going to use words. And in this passage here in 1 Peter, first we honor Christ the Lord as holy, meaning we're following him and we're ready to make a defense of the hope that is in us. When you live distinct, and again, I'm not saying you walk around with tracks in your pocket and, you know, I mean, maybe you're called to do that. Most of us aren't. But you live distinct, you live with people, you serve, you bring healing, and people are going to go, what's up with you? Boom. Now you share. What's up with me is Jesus. That's what's up with me. Be ready to share the hope of Jesus with gentleness and love. That's huge. That's what Peter says. Gently, lovingly. We don't beat people over the head with the gospel. We gently draw them to Jesus, point to him as the only way to life. So that, and you're still in the first Peter passage, we do this, we keep our conduct uh, among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. Meaning, if you live distinct, you're ready to share, when Jesus comes back in the end, there are going to be those who confess him as Lord because of the way we've lived. When they look at your good deeds, and maybe their knee-jerk reaction is, they're evil, they're wrong, they're bad for living that way. Over time, God might work on them. And so when Jesus returns, he'll find that they have placed their faith in him. That is the goal, ultimately, that people will find life. So how can we get practical with this? How can this not be just words? Well, here's what we're going to do. In two weeks, for our service, we're going to meet here, pray, and then we're going to go to eight different locations, seven different locations. Dave will clarify that because I probably got it wrong. We're going to go and we're going to serve. And I know what you just felt when you heard that. You're like, I'm skipping that day. <laughs> right? We're going camping in two weeks. I get that because it's different, right? It's a little bit weird. Um, and, and some people, you know, it's not a great experience. But for most, 
It's a unique and awesome experience. And we've been doing this ever since Common Ground started. You know, in our house, we've tried to do this twice a year, once or twice a year. And it's not a good church growth strategy, by the way. You know, you read church growth stuff, they're like, don't do that. Well, we're doing it because for us, we're here for the community. In fact, we have Zach back there running sound. Um, so if it messes up, you know who did it. Um, Zach and Katie, before they moved here, Zach did like a scouting trip or whatever. He can clarify it. But they, he came to our house, and the first day he came, he, he walks in, um, and he didn't, I don't think he knew anybody. It was like second, third party, how he knew. He came in, and we're like, hey, we're glad you're here, but today we're going door-to-door -door with groceries and prayer. He's like, all right, and they're still here. So <laughs> it, it's grown since then, and we've been able to partner and get to know more and more organizations. Here's what's cool. There are a lot of really good organizations in our community serving. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to come up with, oh, what are we going to do? There are people doing a really good job that we can simply partner with. And so we're going to make it really easy on you in two weeks. Uh, after the service today, you can sign up for which team you're going to be part of, and it's going to be really easy. You show up, uh, you join your leader. Some of them, you don't have to talk to anybody, right? You can just go, like, clean a trail. I think that's one of them. But some of them, we will be doing something for people. I think the kids, if they want, are going to be able to write letters to those in uh, senior living facilities. By the way, Christians started those first ones. Did you know that? Christians were the first ones to say, some of these older folks still need love and they need care. So let's make that happen. So what I want to do is uh, we had three, but we have two. We have two speakers that are going to share about their organization uh, because they are doing what we want to do. They are doing uh, things that we want to partner with. So we're going to start with Aaliyah with Life Choices. Aaliyah, if you would come up here. There you go. Yeah, thank you. You taller. <laughs> so Aaliyah is with Life Choices. Hi. And, and we're going to be serving there in two weeks. But here's yeah. the first question. What does what? Life Choices do? Okay, so Life Choices offers services... And all of our services are free and confidential. So what we do, um, we'll do professional strength pregnancy tests, limited ultrasounds, and options counseling. So a lot of our moms or couples that will come in are um, considering abortion. They're either, it's an option for them. Um, some of them already have an appointment a couple days later. So um, we'll come alongside them. Um, our biggest hope is to share the love and truth of Jesus Christ. Um, and go over options, let them know that um, the culture might tell you that this is abortion is an easy, easy um, answer, but here's your other options. Here's the support that you have, and we um, help them, whether it's medical services, practical support, material goods, so all that. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Education, you do some education for them, right? Yeah, so we go over... Um, options education. So a lot of times these um, women and their, their partners, they don't know the, um, the details of abortion, so they don't understand it. If they were to go in, what we always say there, to Planned Parenthood and um, for the same reason, instead of coming into us, they might be handed a pill and they're like, okay, well, here you go. You're in this situation. Just take this, come back the next day and take that. And they had no idea exactly what they did. They're not... Um, aware that their baby has a heartbeat at 15 days, um, that there's other ways that they can um, keep
carry, parent, adopt, that there's, there's other options out there and there's a community of people that come alongside and, and help them walk through this, so. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah, I got to meet with Nick, who is uh, our executive director. He's the executive yeah. director, and I was really impressed. You know, he was telling about kind of the success rates of the number of of ladies that come in that yeah. choose life. Yeah, we have about we just did our stats, so <laughs> um, about ninety-two to ninety-five percent of women will come in. Yeah, yeah. and thanks, God. praise God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a lot of times, it really is just. Um, these young women need somebody to um, hear them out. They're telling their, their peers, and it's, it's so popular in our culture, I'm sure like everyone's aware, that they're like, you know, it's, it's opposite. Like if you want to carry and parent your baby, that's not strong. It's not a strong thing for you as a woman to do. It's stronger for you to um, abort this baby and then carry on with whatever goals you have in life. And, and you can't do both, of course, is what they're told. So. It's really just listening to them um, and relying on the Holy Spirit to just navigate those conversations and, and, um, and he softens our hearts and, and saves babies. So, yeah. uh, after I met with Nick, I did a little bit of research and you can correct me if I'm wrong, okay. um, but I was curious you know, about abortion because we talk about it a lot and, and the great evil of, of murdering unborn babies. Um, and we talk about it a lot, we hear about it a lot, but statistically, over the last 30 years, the percentage of pregnancies that are aborted, it's half now uh, than it was in 1980. Okay. Per pregnancies, not number of abortions, but pregnancies versus abortions, abortions yeah. have dropped. Yeah, that is, that is true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they have dropped more pregnancy centers. There's thousands. We're part of CareNet, our affiliate, so they have... a. 1,200 or so pregnancy centers just in the United States. And I think, like, I wasn't even aware of pregnancy centers until maybe, like, eight years ago. So um, they are, um, you know, being built up. So abortion has gone down. Um, there are other, um, you can do, like, a plan B. I want to get into everything. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's considered in that stat. So I kind of yeah. question that a little bit. But yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, they, they have gone down for sure. So how can we partner on an ongoing basis with Life okay. Choices? So if you want to partner with us um, consistently, then we can. We have a prayer group that we send out prayer requests throughout the week. So we might have somebody who walks in and and they're, um, you know, they have an abortion appointment the next day, but here they are for our services, and we're like, okay. So we'll send out a prayer request, and uh, we have you know thousands of people in the community and churches praying for us, and we rely heavily on that. Um, so that's something that we we really need. Um, we always are looking for volunteers. So if you were interested in volunteering, then you guys can come see me after. Um, and then just practical things like we have a baby boutique for moms and dads who decide to carry. They can take parenting classes and shop in our little boutique with points that they earn in classes and get diapers, wipes, cribs, all that stuff. And it's donated through churches. So it's always a always a help. Cool. Yeah. And in two weeks, when we come, what can we do for those who sign up for that team? Yes. So you guys are going to be doing something that we've always wanted to do for years. Um, we, um, I don't know if it's going to be a gift basket, gift bag type of idea for moms who um, decide to carry as a little um, gift to encourage them in that walk. So whether it's a little onesie, something for mom, chocolate, candle, you know, um, something like that. 
and um, you guys are going to be putting together these little bags that we can then give to clients after meeting with them. And a lot of times they're like, they'll leave and um, they feel encouraged and um, thankful and ready to go forward, but then they're also leaving our center and they're going back to their group of people who are telling them, no, don't do this. So it's nice to have something tangible there to remind them, you know, to keep on. So, awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Leah. You're welcome. All right. And again, if you want more information, she's going to be at her table after the service. The next one is Joyce with Ron Wood Center. Come on up, please. All right, Good Joyce. Good morning, everyone. Whoops. If you're not familiar with Ron Wood, is it working? I don't know. I turned it off. What a dork. I've got a voice anyway. I probably <laughs> Well, it's recorded, though, too. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So, Joyce, tell us what Ron Wood does. Okay. He told me I only have five minutes, so you're going to get the Reader's Digest version. But here goes. <laughs> Ron Wood Family Resource Center is one of 22 family resource centers in the state of Nevada. We all look different. We all try to fill the gaps of the services within our community. So we have 23 different programs, and I'm going to give you a quick overview, and then I'm going to tell you what we're doing right now and what the prime concern is, what the need is, and what we are rising to the level to try to help folks with, okay? So uh, family resource centers inherently are information and uh, support centers where I try to tell everybody, send them to us first. If we don't do it, we know who does. So you know how maddening it is to try to go through all of these voicemail trees and everything else. Send them to us, okay? We love that, all right? So, but we are focused on families and children. Okay, we started 26 years ago as a truancy center partnering with the school district. We still do that. Okay, we work on uh, truancy prevention and chronic absenteeism. Uh, I don't have to tell you the rate is through the roof right now. Okay, with distance learning and uh, children not going to school and so forth, it has just skyrocketed. And of course, that leads to a lot of other behaviors, right? That maybe aren't the type of behaviors that healthy family functioning is representative of. So we work with the school district regularly. Uh, our other uh, big focus is uh, a prevention of child abuse and neglect. All right, so we work with Child Protective Services. We go out in a preventative manner and try to assist the family with helping themselves to get back on track. So we, uh, I want to say that, uh, I just did the stats for last fiscal year, we went on, on, out on something like uh, 800 family calls in the last 12 months. So that'll kind of tell you, and those are those that don't rise to the level of investigation. Those are the ones that need resources, services for educational, medical neglect, environmental neglect, and some of what they consider lower level physical abuse and neglect issues. So we're very busy with that. 
we also are, uh, we offer uh, English and Spanish parenting classes, emotional regulation classes for children. We used to call it anger management. You don't do that anymore. <laughs> it's emotional regulation classes for children. So we also do that. We do it on-site and off-site. We have a food bank, and yes, we've taken it on the road. During the pandemic, we've done a lot of things that we normally wouldn't do in our regular path of what we do. So we have a food bank, we have a WIC clinic, we are opening a children's mental health center. The needs for children's mental health are severely underrepresented in the, in the city that we live in. So we are working on getting those doors open. The pandemic has kind of pushed things back a bit, but we're, we're steadfast and on track. Uh, right now, <clears throat> we also have a car seat fitting station, the only federally certified car seat fitting station in the area. Wanted to throw that in there too. Our big focus right now is uh, things related to COVID. I won't lie. Uh, we have, uh, we run the foster youth program for the state of Nevada in the rural areas. So we have been providing laptops for distance learning for children. We've also been working with foster youth, not only from 14 to 21, but we did get some additional funding and we're even working with those children that are 21 to 26 that are going to college that have additional needs. Just because 18 comes around and they're no longer in foster care, it doesn't mean the issues don't continue. So we're also working with that. Um, a lot of COVID funding for housing for those COVID victims that have experienced financial hardship, um, soon to have utility assistance, um, also working on some other projects uh, with COVID-related funding. So that tends to be consuming us right now. Mental health issues and substance abuse issues are through the roof. So we work with both uh, adults and youth in either getting them the service that they need or helping them shore up what it is that they need due to these issues, these underlying issues. That was more than five minutes That's and okay. I think no. I'm done. I so <laughs> I, I spoke to Joyce before the service and was blown away at how many services they do offer. So even if you don't serve with Ron Wood in two weeks, I would encourage you to go grab one of their brochures and see all that they do. Um, how can we as individuals and as a church, if people hear what you're saying and say, I want to get involved, how can people help on an ongoing basis? Well, we're getting ready to come into the holiday season, and uh, we always need help in our food bank. Okay, we're a Monday through Friday food bank, and we always need assistance. We're getting ready to start packing up uh, holiday baskets for families. We could use that assistance as well. And yes, we are the Toys for Tots entity for four counties, okay? Carson basically is 85% of what we do for Toys for Tots. So yes, I'm getting, and yes, I am the coordinator of that myself. So yes, we're getting ready to kick that off because you know what, every child needs a Christmas. I don't care what's going on in their lives, you know. Uh, so that is kind of the volunteer opportunities that are right, up, you know, coming up right on us right now. But if you have any special skills and you would like to offer your assistance, in the capacity that you're comfortable in, give me a holler. I got my cards with me, I have the brochures, and let's chat about it. How's that? And in two weeks, we're coming, what are we gonna do? Well, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, we're, we're 
pretty much grant funded, more than 95% of what we do. Uh, you're looking at the grant writer right here, okay? She does that. So uh, we don't have a lot of money for extra things. So we have a community garden. We are at the old city hall building on Northgate, those of you who know where that is. And we have an atrium where we've been growing fruits and vegetables for the families. So it kind of needs a little weeding and cleaning out. And it's not very big, it's small in size. Also, our windows are terribly smoky and in need of a cleanup job. And uh, if you could help us out with that as well on this particular Sunday, we would sure appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Joyce. Is that it? Okay. It is. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, again, if you want more information, they do a lot of other things, um, and it's a great organization. Uh, Dave. Dave is uh, our youth pastor, and he's also uh, the leader of our missions team, who is responsible for what's happening in two weeks. So wrap us up. All right. All right. Good morning. So we have uh, quite a few other projects because we wanted to make sure we had enough spaces for every single person who desired to serve to have that spot. So um, I would like to also say... Um, off of what Derek just said about partnering with local organizations already doing good work. Um, in the past, uh, God has uh, used me to do similar things and um, trying to start up nonprofits and being on the board of nonprofits in the past. Um, volunteers like all of you are what make it happen and work and like you have no idea how needed it is um, for basically... I don't know, like a lot of nonprofits that are like, we have too many volunteers, please stop calling us. That's never a thing. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's really being able to be, you know, Jesus's hands and feet um, in real time. So number one is we have CASA. So CASA stands for a court appointed special advocate. Um, what they do is they have these guardian volunteers that um, are basically appointed to these kids who need homes. Uh, need safe places due to neglect or abuse issues. Um, so we're going to be partnering with them. And the project we are doing with them is uh, folding and sorting clothes and putting together new pieces of furniture in their office. Um, the next one is uh, that with life choices, um, that will be here and different than what's on the back of your bulletin. Um, it is going to be a kid-friendly uh, spot. So just mark that down if you were thinking about that and you have kids. Um, the next one is Seeliger Elementary School. So um, what we're going to be doing there is they have, I believe it is seven, yeah, seven teacher lounge bathrooms that need a makeover. So they'll be cleaned and painted and a whole bunch of other stuff done to them. So um, that will be a really awesome gift to the teachers who say that's uh, desperately needed. So uh, we'll be doing that one. That one is kid friendly as well. Then we also have Carson Parks and Rec. So what we'll be doing with uh, them is basically clean up a trailhead um, that I believe is uh, near the Carson River that needs a lot of cleaning, uh, one that's used by lots of us and families in the community. Um, so that's what we'll be doing with that one. And then on the back of your bulletin, it did say that we are partnering with Carson Valley Food Closet. Sadly, um, there's some type of 
emergency stuff going on with the people that were partnering with us and working with us. And so they said um, they don't have time to do that. So they're going to have to cancel, but they look forward to working with us in the future. Um, so just mark that down that that one's not happening, uh, sadly, but we will work with them in the future for sure. Um, the next one is Minden Elementary School. So at Minden Elementary, we're going to be doing gardening. I guess they have a garden there, and we will be doing uh, yard work, which uh, they're really excited about. And then also uh, the last one is Douglas Parks and Rec. And we will be cleaning up, uh, the last time I heard, the community center. Right, Zach? Community center? Okay. Um, which... It, you know, what's been interesting throughout this whole process is we started putting this together months ago and a lot of places were like, yeah, we'll figure something out. But then after the fires have happened um, and certain things, it's been like, oh, thank the Lord you're coming because, you know, the community center was just normal. And then all of a sudden we're housing people from Tahoe and it's going to need all this work. So um, there's a lot of excitement about us joining all these groups. So um, that's what we have um, is we have eight different projects in seven different locations, and we will all be out there outside the doors under the little tent you probably saw as you walked in, little pop-up, and we will be there for sign-ups and to answer any of the questions that you have. Is it time? Pray? Okay, I will pray, and then uh, we'll move on to worship. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you so much. Um, for showing your love, not only in your word, but um, that you move your people, your church, to actively go out and help people. And not just like in the book of James, it, it says, you know, don't just say, hey, hope everything works out and pray for you. Um, but to actually um, meet the physical needs of these people. That is what it's like to be Jesus. That's what it's like to love the way that you love, Lord. And we thank you for being that type of God who actively loves us and all others. Um, and we also thank you for using us, that we're a part of this grand story that you're telling, that your entire plan was to use us um, to reach other people. And that, um, that gives us purpose, Lord, that gives us a usefulness. And um, I know every time I've ever served since I was a, a kid all the way through now, you always feel like, oh, we're going to go and we're going to help people. But in the end, you always feel like you got way more out of it than what you even gave to other people. Lord, you have a way of using your Holy Spirit to help us grow closer to you the more we become like your son, Jesus. And a big way in doing that is serving the communities we live in and loving the people around us. Um, and it's just such a blessing to be a part of that. We pray that uh, everything can go smoothly with this uh, whole entire uh, Sunday, two weeks from now, and um, it could be exactly what you want it to be, Lord, and that people can come to know more about who you are, more about um, what you're doing, and uh, how they can get to know you through just the simple actions of uh, serving our community. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.